Good to be back again um, and here on this second Sunday of Advent. Uh, I'm going to keep going. It's a sermon series I started, uh, virtually started, last week. Um, I had already written the whole sermon out before I got sick, and I kind of decided, you know, 90% of the work is preparation, and I didn't want to waste it. And I realized, um, as I was calling for substitute pastors, they all had COVID, um, which is funny because we haven't really gotten together much. So um, uh, that's why I went all mega church, techno, remote, whatever you call it. But while I was preaching, I don't know if you could tell, I was literally like fever shaking, um, but I did it, darn it. And we liked it. Um, so, woo! So, and, and especially again, a warm welcome to everyone else who's got COVID. I know there's a lot of COVID running around our church. So here's my shameless plug. Make sure you get your shots and your boosters. Um, I got really sick with having every shot and the boosters. I can't imagine how sick I would have gotten without it. Um, the last one I was able to get was a double. Uh, it was a flu and a COVID booster. But anyways, all right. So it's good to be back. Um, so yes, I ironically had to sit and preach about healing while sick. So, uh, but last week talked about healing of the body. This week, I'm going to talk about healing of the mind. We're going to have a different one. Next week will be soul. Last week will be family right before Christmas. Now, I'll give my quick disclaimer, which is that I'm not going to get into talking about like clinical mental illness, mental health things. For those things, go see a therapist. I'm not one of those preachers who's like, I don't need therapy, I got Jesus. And um, no, go, see, go to therapy, it's good for you. I'm going to focus on uh, talking more about a more basic problem, which is being, having our minds being stressed, anxious, and not at peace. So our, our minds, are, are, are the peace of our minds is broken. It needs to be restored. That's the healing that I'm going to talk about today. The reason I'm doing this, this particular topic, is because I've sensed, particularly in the last couple years, a lot of unpeace. I don't know if that's a word, in, in, in our minds. A lot of unpeace. I felt it myself. Uh, and of course, you know, we all know, we've all seen the you know, the, the videos of people raging during COVID about things. Um, you know, we've seen the videos of the Karens at the airports, you know, yelling at flight attendants and stuff. We, we also, the video, I don't know if I ever told this story. I'll tell it again, it's a great one. I mean, it is business. So, 2020, I'm moving my daughter into college, right, we're out in Philadelphia. I'm sitting in the, Christy and I are in the hotel. We just moved her in the day before. We woke up, turned on Philadelphia News. There were two things. First one was Villanova mosh pit party. And so there's all these kids violating COVID that night. And I'm like, I know that dorm. Oh, no, she wasn't there. She assured me. But then it cut to a video and it said, now from Tucson, Arizona. And there was a guy at the Sprouts over at Orange Grove and Thornydale raging, just all Yosemite Sam, red in the face, screaming, raging, throwing threats at the guy stocking the feta cheese. And I know that because I've been to that Sprouts enough that I know that that, aisle, that rack is where the feta cheese is. 
It comes in crumbly. It comes in packages like this. And he's screaming at him, raging. And his adult son, his 20-something kid, is up behind him. He's like raging. And his son had to come up and grab him and pull his dad out of the sprouts. You know, and you sit there and you go, oh, now my daughter's going to sit and have to go into freshman orientation. Where are you from, New Jersey? Where are you from, Philadelphia? Where are you from, Tucson, Arizona? Oh, that's where the crazy people rage at the sprouts. Oh, you're not helping us, dude. But what's behind all this? Maybe that's a better question. What's behind all this? Part of it is a real lack of peace of mind. You know, we, we, all have th we all have things that irritate us and bother us and drive us nuts, but we don't always blow up. What's the difference? The difference, a difference, is that if you don't have some peace of mind, you don't have the ability to deal with the stress. If your mind is already just full of worries and anxieties and fears and all these things, that are, that are piling up on you, if you're already like frustrated to here to the brim with where, where you think things are going, and then, then you add a disease to it, it just pushes you over the edge. If, on the other hand, you had some normal peace of mind within yourself, some sense of calm, some space in your day and in your life, you would have a little bit more confidence in yourself and the future, and you'd have some capacity to deal with these things in a calm and rational way. So what's filling our heads all these days that's keeping us from having peace of mind? I'll give you my top two, Lars's top two. Worry about the future and anger over a sense of loss of control. Uh, and they're kind of related. They're kind of similar, so let's unpack this. First, worry about the future. I talk a lot about anxiety uh, up here because probably I think it's very prevalent today. Um, and you know, you'd think in many ways, you'd think in the US, in our corner of the US, we wouldn't be so anxious. I mean, most of our area is middle class. We've got nice stucco houses and stuff. Most of the world would love to have what we have. So why, would, why do you think we would be so full of anxiety in one of the wealthiest countries it's ever been? Well, when you have a lot, you have a lot to lose. And we worry about losing what we have. We've lived through housing crashes. We've lived through economies that go up and down. There's a lot of social change. We are fed media that tells us that the opposing political party wants to destroy our country and create a dystopian hellscape. And if that's how you listen to all day, they're going to ruin you, they're going to ruin you, they're going to ruin you, get out the vote, they're going to ruin you, they're going to ruin you. They're going to take away this, they're going to take away that, they're going to take away. That, if you listen to them, that's always the message. They are going to take away something that you care about. You better vote to keep them from taking your whatever it is. Fill in the blank. Well, if that's what you're listening to, wow, that's going to that's gonna rev you up. Right? And that's the point. The point is to rev you up. Calm people don't vote as, calm, people who are confident and chill don't vote as much as people who are angry and scared. 
They know this. They have research to prove it. So we got this. This is being fed to us all day long. Then, of course, you know, we have our kids. We worry about our kids, and we worry about their safety, and we worry about bad influences, and we worry about whether they'll get into trouble, or we worry about whether they get into the right college. I'll tell you another story. I remember back at my first call, uh, one of the things I wanted everyone to do as part of confirmation was go to camp. And we had a Lutheran Bible camp just across, across the border in Wisconsin. And uh, I said, everyone should go to the camp. Go to the, spend a week at the camp that for con- as a reconfirmation requirement. And this one dad just said, no. No, couldn't, won't do it, won't do it. And I kept saying, well, why not? And he wouldn't tell me, wouldn't tell me. So finally I called him, okay, let's sit down and talk. Why won't you let your daughter go to camp? And he looked at me, dead straight. How do I know she won't fall into the lake? And I just kind of paused. And I probably came across not very pastoral, like, it's a beach. You can't really fall in. It's really gradual and sandy. (laughs) And he just looked at me. Well, how do I know she won't fall into that? Fall face down and drown and die. I'm like, I don't think that's ever happened. They've been there since like 1947. There's never been an accidental drowning ever. But why well, don't want my daughter to be the first? How do I know? I'm like, well, there's a fence around it. I was just up there a couple weeks ago. They literally have a fence around it. That's part of the accreditation requirements. You have to fence off your beach. But what if she climbs over it? We have counselors who watch her. What if she sneaks out? What do you want? And he's like, we, 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 we just don't take her to places where we can't see what's going on. I'm like, I don't want to know what's going to happen when she goes off to college. But I'm like, man, this guy had it really had a root. This guy made a ton of money, had a humongous house. She was the only child. And he woke up every day in terror that something somewhere was going to cause a bad thing to happen. What happens? All this anxiety, it piles up in our minds, you know? And when that piles up, you start not thinking as rationally. It's kind of a low-grade tenseness, you know? You stop noticing it until something happens. Psalm 127 talks about this. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives sleep to his beloved. They're working really hard because they're worried about the future. Right? They're worried about the future. But but those who trust in God, they go to sleep because their minds aren't full of stress. Which is really another modern coping mechanism. Right? We don't always like to name it or admit what we're doing. It's over-scheduling so you don't have to pay attention to what you're feeling, right? being so busy running from thing to thing that you don't ever have to stop and sit in your own thoughts. Just keep running and running and running. So that's the first thing, the worry. The next thing is anger at a sense of a loss of control. Here's how it works. First, you're not sure about the future. You don't have a lot of confidence in the future. One of the things God's always saying over and over is, the future is in my hands. I control the future. From the prophets to Revelation, 
God is in control of the future, but at some level we kind of go, well, yeah, maybe God controls the very end, but in the short run, I'm not sure I trust society, institutions, economy. And so you get worried. What's the future going to be like? And then what do you do? You try to get rid of that worry with control, right? Control is often a way of dealing when we're anxious and nervous, right? Like going to a wedding, right? How many weddings do you see suddenly perfectly normal people turn into the biggest control freaks in the world, you know? I get it on the other end. People irate, you know, that the pubos are this much longer than they want or, you know, and you're like, wow, why are you so obsessed with trying to micromanage absolutely everything? Is it because you're really, really nervous? And you think maybe if you can control everything, then you can control the future and nothing will happen that you can't predict. Or like the hover parents again, who have to know every single thing their kids are doing to make sure, make sure, to keep them under control. Because when they're under control, oh, then I go, I, you know, I can't, you know. And then what happens? Well, you can't, of course, control everything. So you probably can't control most things. So what do you do? You feel powerless. And you feel weak. And it is kind of, offend, it is kind of offends our sense of pride to be weak and powerless. And so what do we do? Well, instead of sitting down and going, you know, I really have to acknowledge that I feel really weak and vulnerable and powerless over this. And I don't like feeling weak and vulnerable. But instead, what do we do? We get mad. Because being mad is powerful and tough. Ugh. You know? I'm going to go raging against the organic food machine. But because, the, and that's the thing about anger. Anger is the exact same. Anger is just means that we, we're weak and powerless, but we don't want to admit it. And, and how do I know? Because if you try to discipline your kids, right, and you tell them to do something and they ignore you, and you tell them to do something and they ignore you, and they tell them to do something and they ignore you, and then finally, what do you end up doing? You blow your top. I told you to clean your room! Ah! And then the kids go, ah! And then they run off to the room. Come back 10 minutes later. Did you clean your room? No. And you realize that yelling works in about a 10-minute span when they're afraid you're going to hit them. After that, it doesn't work because you're admitting you're not in control. Because if you really were in control, you'd be very calm. I mean, seriously, does Don Corleone ever get on his desk and start slamming it? I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe it. No, he's calm because he's in control. No, that's not how you do it. No, go away. Mr. Bigglesworth doesn't like it. Well, no, Mr. Bigglesworth, that's Austin Powers. Sorry, I'm getting my metaphors mixed up. Um, if you're in control, you don't rage. Raging is a sign of weakness. But somehow we've decided that raging is a manly, tough sign of weak way to express it, rather than just admitting what we're feeling. So what happens? We're going along, we're already kind of revved to begin with, our society's already got us revved, and then COVID comes along, and then things start getting closed, and you can't go to your favorite restaurant, you can't go to your favorite game, and you can't go to church half the time, and, and you can't do this and that, and, then, and you're already nervous about where the country's headed these days, 
And what ends up happening, that just pushes you just over the edge because you've got no space in your life. Every part of your life is filled. There's no empty space where you can absorb that extra stress. And so what do you do? You go to sprouts and rage against the feta clerk. Because you're trying to regain some sense of control. Because deep down you're scared. And in it all, there's no peace of mind. There's not that space built into your life to be in God's presence. No space or time to process what's happening and what's going on in your head. There's no calm area to put that stress into. There's no calm time to process it. There's no practice built in where you sit back and you just say, before I go raging, I will breathe deep. And just ask myself, is this a Christ-like thing to do? Is this a good thing to do? Is this something I'm going to be proud of next year? Is this something I want going viral? You might come, you, you, and you might do all that, and come to the conclusion, after breathing deep, that sometimes, as adults in society, we don't get everything we want, and we just have to suck it up and deal with it. I mean, do, how often do we ever stop and breathe and just say, is this what God intended for me to do? Philippians 4.6. Apostle Paul writes, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a great, what a great phrase. I could, I could preach for weeks on this one. Apostle Paul's writing to his church in Philippi. And the church in Philippi is actually kind of like a little bit like Marana. It's full of businesses and retired military. A lot. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of Roman military literally would retire in Philippi. And um, if, if, the way the Roman system worked is if you could finish your 40-year tour of duty, you got a big bonus. Most of them never made it that long. But if you did, you got a bonus, and you could move to Philippi and play pickleball. <laughs> or do I, do, you, do, I, how, do, I, do I have the swing wrong? So, but this is what he's talking to. Let's unpack this. What's he saying? First is the command. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Anything? That's a big ask. Don't worry about anything. But it's what Jesus said, right? Jesus himself said, can any of you by worrying add a single minute to your life? Well, the answer is no. You can't change space-time by worrying. If I could do that, I'd get a Nobel Prize and I'd be talking on Nova tomorrow. <laughs> but you can't. Worrying doesn't change things. Worrying changes nothing in the world. And we all know that. But we also know that feeling, right? When you're really worried and someone comes up to you and says, oh, don't worry. How do you feel? Patronized? Talked down to? Not taken seriously? So Paul doesn't leave us there. He doesn't just say, don't worry, and then move on. He gives us an alternative way. Because, of course, you can't just think about it. So what does he say instead? Spend time in prayer thanksgiving, and supplication. So supplication, that's asking God what you need. So if your mind is going with too much, too fast, just be. 
Just be with God. Just be with yourself. Just be in your own thoughts and be in your own feelings. It may take a little bit at first because the mind's stress machine doesn't stop working as soon as you stop moving. And if anything, it kicks into high gear, right? Because it goes into overdrive because now when you stop moving, you're actually hearing everything that you're mad about. You're actually thinking about everything that frustrates you. All these thoughts that you weren't thinking about because you were too busy, now suddenly you're in your head. It's a little bit like detoxing. It gets worse before it gets better. You have to let go of all that rage, that hate, that anger, that frustration, the nasty things you want to say to your coworker, but you don't, but you don't, but boy, you recite them in your head. And it isn't pleasant stuff, but you gotta try to cool it down. It's why I often find, it's part of why I find that I can de-stress really well when I go hiking. You know I like to hike, but I find that takes the first three miles to get all the gunk out of my head and my brain, and by the time I'm on my way back down, I'm finally at peace. It takes a little bit. So what else is there? There's Thanksgiving. Right? Be grateful for what you have. And I know it can sound a little bit trite like a motivational poster, but when you're grateful, you're not being fearful. Early Christians had a lot of reasons to be fearful. I mean, they could die for their faith, and yet, what do the Romans consistently say about them? They were nonviolent, and they were gracious, even in the face of attacks. And finally, what does it say? Verse 7. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Guards. It will, the peace guards your mind. This is to always be how sermons would end. Like my grandpa always ended his sermons with, and the peace of God, the past is all understanding. It was like a standard formula. But what a great, and I never knew they came from here because I didn't read my Philippians enough. <laughs> but it says the peace, and it's interesting, peace guards you from all that stuff. It protects you. Right? And there's a great idea here. And that's, and that's that this peace goes beyond understanding that it isn't something that comes from working, trying, winning, conquering, but by being in God's presence and giving thanks and just honestly asking for what you want from God and letting the Holy Spirit come over you and fill your mind. So many things in life have complicated solutions. And I'm not pretending, of course, that you can just meditate everything away. What I am saying is that you can, by being in God's presence, you can take away burn away, whatever, some of that rage, the grievances, the worries, the stress, the entitlements that play in your mind like a CD on repeat when you wake up at 3 a.m. and you don't want to be awake. And when you do that, you can have a peace that doesn't seem to make sense, but it passes all understanding. And when your mind is at peace, you can do all sorts of things better. And you can be more kinder and gentler, and more loving, and more Christ-like. Amen.